Natalie and Matthias, and we welcome you to our conversations with B2B ecosystems experts and platform founders. Our goal here is to uncover what they learned and help you launch and scale platforms, marketplaces, and business ecosystems. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Platforms for Future. With me, my lovely co-host, Natalie. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Matthias. Hello. And also with us is our guest, Philip Ortwein, co-founder of Instafreight. Hello, Philip. Hi, Matthias. Hi, Natalie. Yes, nice. And today we want to talk about the future of logistics and how can we platformize the future of logistics. So in our episode, we will go into a deeper conversation with Philip. He is the co-founder and CEO of Instafreight. And um, we want to cover multiple topics when we talk about the future of logistics. Uh, we will start with, let's say, sustainability, because a lot of deliveries are going around the globe, or we will focus here in Europe, uh, covering multiple countries. So each transport produces a lot of CO2 emissions. So how can maybe a platform like Instafreight can help to create a more sustainable supply chain and a better transportation management? We will later on also cover the role of data. So how can we improve the efficiencies of our supply chains by better exchanging data between the different parties, maybe also looking at document management, etc. And at the end, we will also try to cover a very yeah, long-term outlook of this industry uh, by looking at the autonomous driving and autonomous transportation and also how can a platform support this long-term um, trend we see with AI and autonomous driving. So let's go straight into the conversation with Philip. And uh, yeah, Philip, please explain our listeners who you are and what is your role. And also, of course, what is Instafreight? Sure, Matthias. I mean, first of all, thanks, of, um, thanks a lot for having me on this podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, like, what is it that Instafreight is doing? Um, we are a digital logistics provider. Um, so it's a pure B2B solution, which focuses on um, easily and conveniently matching um, the transportation needs of shippers, um, typically large size uh, shippers with transport capacity that is in the market. So effectively, like what you see today, uh, what, a, what a freight forwarder basically does, uh, matching blow, um, both supply and demand, this is what we do. But we do this more like a platform approach where we basically try onboarding shippers, including the loads, uh, onboarding carriers, uh, and doing both them, like finding the right price for a match, then also doing the actual match um, of that um, of that demand and and the capacity. Um, so, like on the one side, like over time, when we started off in 2016, um, we basically approached um, shippers, asking them. What type of loads do you have? Basically, full truck loads could be part loads, but I mean, our strategic focus was and is full truck loads and asking for those shipments and then promise to them, well, we're going to find you the right carrier who's going to operate that particular transport at the best cost and at the best like operational performance. Um, and uh, like once we, once we had this particular transport, 
Then we went out into the market and tried to find the rest, uh, first guy who can, uh, who can really do it. And quite frankly, in the first days, uh, that was very much of a manual process, right? I mean, this is always how you start a startup. Uh, so you build some, some sort of MVP, go out there, try and test it. Um, and um, yeah, then you basically try, as with any platform, try building up both demand and supply on the platform, uh, so, sort of like to kick off this flywheel. Uh, and this is where we are now. So four, four and a half years into the game, <laughs> we are at some 2,000 uh, shippers that are using our platform very much regularly. And on the other side of the market, there are some 25,000 carrier companies uh, who own and operate assets, right? So trucks. And uh, so in total, some 150,000 trucks or so. So this is, this is what InstaFreight is doing today. Uh, so basically being, being, being active in the freight forwarding space. Are you focusing on the road carriers? Uh, you mentioned several transport types. Which, who are your carriers? Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, I actually forgot mentioning this. So we are exclusively in the road freight space, or let's say overland. So overland includes both road freight. Uh, and we also started, um, started building our intermodal capacities, which means that we also ship via rail. For example, if you go from Germany into Italy, uh, you typically do not go via road, um, but you do like the first mile, meaning uh, or like pre pre carriage. So from 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 the pickup location, uh, you typically um, go go to a train station, put the truck or put the trailer on a train, uh, and then off you go. And then the post carriage, uh, then somewhere in Italy, for example, uh, for the for the last mile. So this is also what we're doing. So it's it's overland. So on the one hand side, you are kind of a marketplace for the shippers to find the best truck company or the best carrier, and on the other side, the benefit for the carriers is that you help them to increase the utilization rate of their assets they have. And I have read that you mentioned around that 30% of the assets are underutilized, something like that. Is this true based on your experience? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing to see. I mean, let me, let me give you some, some data to understand the market and also like why this market still is very much inefficient today. Um, I mean, the market that we talk about and that we work in, in, uh, in Europe is some 350 billion euro of freight spend every year. Uh, out of this roughly 130 billion is full truckload. So this is basically like how, uh, how, how we define the market. Um, and in there, it's just interesting to see how supply and demand is structured and what the consequences are. So, I mean, you have like hundreds and thousands of shippers. I think this is kind of obvious. But on the, uh, I mean, shippers meaning companies who produce, uh, who trade, and like basically have needs for transportation capacity. On the supply side, you have 770,000 carrier companies who own and operate assets. On average, these guys have six trucks. So that's a vastly fragmented market. And that's like, by definition, a very good example where platform models can actually make a lot of sense because you basically build, build, um, build an interface where like both or like a marketplace, you could almost say, but like where they basically uh, both, both can meet and um, how this market orchestrates itself today is that you have on the one side, you have the shippers in the middle, you have the freight forwarders who then orchestrate uh, uh, the, the supply side on the other side, uh, which are basically carrier companies. Um, but this today happens very much in an offline fashion. 
um, where there are a lot of manual processes in between. And the result is, and this is Matthias, what you were saying, is uh, there is right now somewhere between 25 to 30 percent empty runs. So trucks running empty throughout the whole of Europe. And this is something we can definitely do better. We will not bring this down to zero uh, because for some regions of Germany, for example, um, or, or also within Europe, there's simply, um, there's simply less stuff to pick up. Berlin, for example, uh, we like consume a lot over here, but there's almost no production. So running full into Berlin and running out of Berlin empty is kind of likely. Uh, however, if we move away from manual processes, like people trying to dispatch, I mean, basically matching, matching a transport with a truck, doing this over phone, like if we move away from this, platforms can be way more efficient in doing this. Um, hence, I mean, there are even studies saying that 40% of the full truckload volumes going forward are going to be managed by platforms. 40% in a market of 350 billion. Um, uh, this, is, this is definitely the way forward. And this is how we can reduce anti-mileage. And in fact, uh, we saw an announcement uh, earlier this week, I think, um, of a, a startup in the U.S. called Flock Freight. And they are actually um, uh, working, positioning themselves on that mutualization uh, of uh, trucks where there are empty loads and, and shippers can maybe share a truck. Is this something that you are thinking also of going towards? If you think about road freight, you have to differentiate, like vastly speaking, four for type of loads. One is full truck load. As the name says, you have a full truck. Two, you have part loads uh, where, like as you were referring to, you have, I don't know, two or three shippers if you want sharing a truck, but it still goes like maybe like from A to B and then like a longer haul and then DC or so. Um, third, you have what is called groupage. Groupage is slightly smaller size shipments, which is uh, like, I don't know, like one, one to six pallets typically. So on a truck you fit in, um, in Germany or like Europe, you, uh, you fit um, 34 pallets and one to six pallets is basically groupage. And the, the fourth, the fourth um, type is basically parcel. Parcel is something we do not do. Groupage is something where you typically work with networks that are already existing. At least this is what we are doing, right? So we are feeding, we are feeding those loads into these existing networks. Uh, simply data interface, that's it. For the part loads, and this is what you're referring to, Natalie, uh, this, is, this is actually where there's a lot of margin to gain because if you combine this efficiently, um, like combining, let's say, putting uh, three times uh, three times 10 loads on one truck is in terms of margin that you can gain uh, is, uh, is higher uh, than providing one full truck load, right? Um, so getting there, however, uh, like also in a platform model is a bit more complicated because you do not only need to make sure that you find, that you find a shipment for a trucker going from A to B, but you need to make sure that you find shipments eventually along the way where you combine. So like, if you want to build this type of model, you have to have a lot of volume. And this is typically not how, at least we decided not to start uh, that way, but first to build up um, the full truckload capacities, uh, focusing on this first, because that's the easiest. Uh, and then you have, the, have a way to expand into part load. Uh, yes, we're doing part load already. Are we doing this better than the market right now? I don't think so. 
Uh, in full truck load, I would say uh, we are at least on par already. But it makes sense as a strategy to collate all the, to aggregate the users, to collate the data so that then you can 100%. evolve towards a, a more efficient, uh, an efficient uh, uh, sharing uh, uh, proposition. And uh, that leads into the also the sustainability topic that Matthias uh, mentioned earlier. Yeah. I mean, sustainability comes in like different, um, in different ways, right? Um, I don't know, like, do we want to talk about uh, sustainability already or should we, should we stick? Oh, yes, I would love, I would love to, because, um, I remember your statement that around 30% of those, yeah, transportations are kind of empty. And, uh, on the other side, I see also a major trend since years that, uh, there's in B2B, there's on-time delivery or in B2C, you have same time delivery. So everything needs to be faster and uh, uh, almost same time or instantly delivered to the destination. So a lot of stuff is now um, parked at the streets, let's say this way. So when I look at the Autobahn here in Germany and I go from Dresden to Leipzig, then the, the right lane is always full with a lot of trucks. So a lot of let's say, um, storage of packages or whatever is are happening on the streets. So this is a big trend since years. So everything is put on the streets and on this, on the other side, there's a lot of inefficiencies. And now we also see with the climate change that we have to become more sustainable. So how can we kind of maybe stop this trend of putting more and more stuff on the streets or can we make the supply chains more efficient? So maybe how can a platform like you, like Instafreight also help to create a more sustainable future? Yeah. I mean, there are, as I said, there are multiple ways of how to tackle this, right? Um, I mean, first of all, um, you first need to understand what are actually my CO2 emissions that I have. For this, obviously, platforms can help because if you manage to connect the trucks, you understand uh, what the fuel consumption is, etc. So you can like actually have first of all like the status quo of uh, how much how much is actually uh, like emitted by by the trucks that you're operating. So this is sort of like step step one, right? And this is also like what we've what we started doing. Um, and in a, in a in a second step, um, and I was referring to the 25 to 30 percent of empty trucks. If you manage to combine loads, and that could be both full truck loads uh, as well as part loads, as we were discussing earlier, um, if you can combine this more efficiently and you bring down this by like five or 10 percentage points, well, that is a lot of CO2 emissions that you can actually reduce, right? So it's, uh, it's a lot about like how you build the routes, uh, what loads can you combine? Uh, and this is what you can do way more efficiently in a platform. Um, then you can do in any uh, like manual process. And quite frankly, the industry, uh, and I mean, I don't want to bitch around with this too much, but um, there are, we've, we've seen a lot of companies who are really good at operating assets, um, but they are still operating um, what, what I would say in like an offline fashion where you do the dispatching in like Excel sheets, et cetera. This is still sort of like the golden standard for quite a few of the truckers out there. Um, so I think that we can do better. Um, and lastly, the question also comes from like, how do you operate the assets, um, uh, like via, via which truck or via which mode do you actually operate this? What I mean is today, the vast majority of trucks uh, still operate on diesel, right? Uh, it could be diesel five, it could be diesel, uh, diesel six, et cetera. But 
there are there are more advanced and like more sustainable uh, solutions to this, like LNG. Um, so LNG, I think, is interesting because I mean, first of all, it has lower CO two emissions. At the same time, you basically so 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 LNG for our listeners is liquid natural gas or yes exactly yeah. exactly uh, so you yeah. have LPG and LNG uh, so this is liquid petroleum gas or uh, liquid natural gas as you were saying so LNG is the one uh, that that the industry is after right now um, but the but the challenge is that you significantly reduce the number of kilometers that you can run uh, on one. Um, On one tank if you want so what you need is um, if at the same time the density of the LNG petrol station network uh, is uh, not as not as good as it is right now for diesel right so um, you we really need to make sure if you can only drive shorter and the uh, and the network density of your petrol stations uh, is limited you really need to make sure like where where you want to operate right um, so this brings the whole need for efficient route optimization to a completely different level. Also here, platforms can like play a big role, not only because um, you can you can route better, but you can also help shippers who say uh, sustainability is very important to me, like both as a company as well as um, like how we are seen in the press and media, etc. Um, if I want to get access to LNG trucks, like where would you go, right? I mean, you could go to the big freight forwarders and ask, but also here, um, since we are also partnering with several players, including Shell, for example, Shell is one of the major um, major distributors of LNG, and they know where, uh, where LNG trucks are operating. Hence, we know, or hence our platform knows, so if a shipper wants to have access to LNG trucking capacities, um, that's uh, that's definitely one way, one way to go. So there's from measuring to route optimization, to sourcing and using LNG trucks, enabling that they can actually uh, like operate efficiently. There are like, many, many different ways of how to do this. And then lastly, um, besides LNG, uh, one way is even more sustainable. So it's around the CO2 emissions is about five times lower um, than of trucking, which is intermodal. So putting trucks or putting the trailers on trains um, at least on long distance, that makes a ton of sense. And this is also, as I said, like what we've started ex uh, started exploring. So this whole route optimization and to enable this thing, uh, you need a good data set, I would, or let's say access to a lot of data and you need to connect a lot of databases and sources of data and uh, ensure that there's a secure exchange of data. Um, I'm thinking about um, also a platform could act as an enabler for digital transformation for those small companies. So like you mentioned, the um, to enable those transport companies, which are currently operating on, on Excel um, to participate and to, yeah, and to get their data, they need to invest into uh, digital solutions, digital systems, whatever. And, If you can provide them an easy access to a software like you or to a platform like you, this can also help them uh, to do digital transformation much faster, much cheaper than investing and building their own system. And um, on a second level, then you have access to the to the real-time data, to the real data, and you can, based on the data, you can optimize the routes. Uh, 
I also saw that you have announced transport management uh, as a new kind of a feature or kind of service you provide. Is this part of this kind of strategy or what have led you to the to the point to say we are a marketplace, but on the second, we, we also want to establish additional services. And maybe to, to the first part of your question, like when you were talking about carriers, I, I fully agree um, that, uh, I mean, looking at the vast amount of carrier companies out there uh, and looking at how small they are, quite frankly, um, they, are, they are very much into the day-to-day -day business, right? They're really trying to, I mean, they have, like what we've experienced, they have three things in mind that are super important to them. One is, and they're all pretty much business driven. Um, one is I want to like utilize my assets, right? Which comes back uh, to the empty mileage part. Two, they want to get paid properly, meaning like they want to earn a proper margin, which is quite difficult in this market. And three, they want to have proper payment terms. Um, so in this list of priorities I was mentioning, there's nothing around digitization. This is more like a means to, but not the actual goal, right? So. The, the willingness to spend money on this is um, like significant money, which you need to like really like build, building a platform, quite frankly, is quite expensive, I can tell. So um, this is definitely not something that you would see truckers doing. Uh, so instead, we see them as the perfect partner for cooperation, like us building the platform and them being better in doing what they're doing today. And we are sort of the clutch between the shipper on the one side and the carriers on the other side. So they don't have to invest anything. They don't have to pay for anything. So we are providing this digital infrastructure, making sure that they can do their business better. Um, to your second question around the transportation management. I mean, we started off in 2016 saying, um, okay, we need, to, we need to make it more smooth how shippers on the one side and carriers on the other side and the freight forwarder basically in the middle how they, how they operate. And we became a freight forwarder by saying, um, starting from like price quotation, um, I mean, shippers want to know a price. We developed an algorithm that tells them, well, it's going to cost you whatever, 650 euro going from A to B. Um, and they could place an order with us. Placing order means like digitally, like by a web portal back in the days, uh, we received the order, we dispatched automatically and we pay the carrier at the end of the day. So we basically facilitate the process. So we provide both the platform as well as the execution service behind. This is all great as a, as a business model where you live off the arbitrage between for how much the 650 euro I charge the shipper and I pay whatever 600 euro to the carrier and I live off the 50 euro arbitrage. Um, the thing is, if you really want to add a lot of value to the shipper, it's not only about having one, one additional freight forwarder, but it's also, if you look into the pain points of shippers today, I mean, what do they want? At the end of the day, they want to have reliable capacity, access to capacity uh, in both, uh, like in, in particular in like peak, peak times, let it be Christmas, let it be Easter. Um, and this all has to be reliable. It should be transparent. Uh, both in like, where are the trucks so that I can plan accordingly? Are they going to be late? Are they going to be early? Um, uh, you want to have transparency into, your, into the operational performance. But all of this, if the platform that you're using is only doing this for like 5% of your business, all these advantages are rather limited, right? So that's why we said, why don't we offer this to shippers instead of like 
a middle layer that you put between you yourself, your shipper, and to your logistics service providers, your carriers or freight forwarders, put this layer in between and have us manage the existing logistics provider base uh, on behalf of the shipper. And this is exactly what we've built uh, back then. Um, so we, we've been doing this for a bit more than a year right now. We officially launched that two months ago. Uh, but I mean, already having quite a few active customers on this. Uh, and this is what brought the whole thing to the next level. As I mean, as you said, aggregate um, and, and like suck in a lot of volume and data, which then enables you to do the matching better, to have more carriers in your platform, to basically kick off this flywheel even faster. I've got a question regarding your business model. You said uh, that the carriers are not paying for the platform. You mean they're not paying for developing the platform or they're not paying at all for the for using the platform? They're not, they're not paying for using the platform. They get paid uh, because, I mean, they execute the job for us, right? Uh, and as like any service agreement you have, uh, we pay the carrier for doing so. But they do, like, we do not deduct a service fee or anything uh, for using the platform. And um, coming back to your point with the service management, we also talked to another platform um, provider, Test Exchange, and um, they also went from a marketplace where you could find um, laboratories and free laboratories for your test product tests, etc. And um, they started as a marketplace, and then they went on to build. Um, additional ser uh, services and software to optimize your whole product management and the tests required for that. So it's a little bit a similar approach. They are optimizing for their product companies, uh, providing them services. You are providing services for the shippers, additional services for the shippers. So I'm not sure, but uh, do you think this is a kind of a pattern we see, which is typical for B2B platforms to be successful or to be become more successful than in the past that they have to focus on another, on one side, like the, like, like you on the shipper side and provide additional services on top of a marketplace. I mean, it really depends on where the pain points are in the market, right? Um, like in our market it is a lot about, um, managing complexity. Uh, it's about, um, being able to handle volatility um, and in particular then having a reliable service partner, which is executing your business, right? I mean, you become an essential part of their supply chain. Uh, and if you get this wrong, uh, then they have a problem. And if they have a problem, we have a problem. Um, so just providing a marketplace and I, quite frankly, and like in our industry market, like pure marketplaces um, is or has been there for like 30 years. Uh, I mean, there are so-called freight exchanges, uh, which are still there. They are huge. They're really huge. Um, but, uh, and, and like take a significant share of the market in terms of like providing marketplace, but they are not handling the actual execution. They are not responsible for, um, for doing the execution of, of the particular job in our case of a transport. And that at the end of the day leaves you with a lot of uncertainty because if you don't know the other party that you're supposed to do business with, um, well, then there's, there's certainly uncertainty, right? Um, and you would like fully fledged into volatility as well, because, um, if the market gets tight, if supply goes down, well, then market prices obviously go up. So just a pure marketplace approach here, um, would, would have the shipper facing quite high uncertainty. So that's why we said 
no, we want to be the reliable party in the middle. We want to be the like active matchmaker and being, if you want, like a vertically integrated marketplace um, rather than a marketplace alone. So, I mean, we are the contractual party, right? Uh, we sent out the invoice. It's not, it's not the carrier. Yeah, I like your phrase of being the active matchmaker and active. Uh, uh, it's not just a passive uh, matchmaker and listings and so on, but really active and, and providing additional value. And this leads maybe back to your point that uh, looking at the pain points of the shippers and that the shippers also expecting more than just having a, a directory of uh, transport companies and getting access to that. So they today they are looking when they, when they, uh, work together with a platform, then they expect more than just a simple marketplace. Um, looking also at the data, you have, um, and yeah, everything is relied on data or relies on data and you have to handle data really, really careful. How is this uh, done today with Instafreight? How do you take care of the data, which is yeah, exchanged between the different parties? I mean, first of all, I think that differentiates us from the market. Uh, as traditional freight forwarders typically like grew over time, have built up over that time different different data silos, which are not necessarily connected. Uh, and this is definitely different if you build a company from scratch, right? Um, so for us, we are very much into having data stored centrally. Um, so hence being being able to access that information uh, like from 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 all our systems that are basically connected. And Like, how do we, how do we generate this data? And then if a day, like what we, what we aim at doing is having the whole, the whole transport from, I, I get an order from a customer that could be via, as I said, like via our web portal, which is obviously uh, still up and running, uh, that could be via data interfaces. So APIs connected to third parties, to our shippers. So somehow we get in a shipment into our system that, um, that has like certain data points in there, right? I mean, what, what, what type of shipment is it? Uh, what are the requirements uh, from where to where uh, should that go uh, and at what point in time. Uh, so quite a few data points that come with that particular shipment. And what we then do like internally, uh, we, um, we basically start, start the matching part with data that we've collected in the past. What I mean is uh, we've obviously done shipments before and um, we basically put in place um, a matching algorithm that makes sure that this particular shipments with the specific set of requirements finds a carrier that has done the job before or at least told us that he is active on a certain route and then we suggest this shipment to the respective carrier and there's a certain likelihood that this that the carrier is going to accept it and we can obviously like trace this over time but this is something in terms of data which is happening on the platform right once the carrier accepts then we basically create additional data points because And then we see what's the performance of this carrier uh, really executing this job. This data, again, goes back into the same data pool. Uh, and so next time a shipment comes in, the system knows even better, is this carrier a good one or maybe someone I'm not going to give the next load to. Um, and there's an automatic rating behind this. So understanding how good was the carrier and there's like an A, B, C, D and E is typically the way out. Um, uh, like rating in there. Same, by the way, holds true for the shipper side. If there are too many issues, like along the way of like, he gives us the order and then the truck is on the road, uh, it needs to be loaded, unloaded. If the shipper is the one creating issues here, when then there's also a rating, right? Because quite frankly, our customer is not only the shipper, 
It's also the carrier. If we lose the carrier, uh, we definitely have a problem, right? So for the next business. Um, and all this data is basically stored, uh, stored centrally for, for the whole matchmaking part. So your whole rating and quality checking is automatized by the algorithms feeding uh, each other. I mean, the data feeding of uh, the historic data being uh, uh, improved by new data, etc. Yes and no. Um, yes, the rating works automatically. The data points that are collected, um, some of them are not necessarily automatic uh, and it won't ever be. Uh, yes, tracking, for example, and is the truck on time? That's something you can fetch automatically from the truck. This is fine. But exceptions, for example, I mean, for, for, uh, for the exception management, we have a team of people sitting here taking care that the transport is executed properly, right? I mean, you call them dispatchers. We have them, like you have them in like offline freight forwarders as well as, as, uh, as, well as uh, here, uh, here now at InstaFreight. Um, and those, those people basically uh, take care of the exceptions. And the end of it, it's still a people's business, right? Uh, and those, those data points then still get collected by the system. Um, and eventually we are, we are charging the shipper for it or we're charging the carrier for it. I mean, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is data that we collect. And then the, and then the whole transaction basically finishes off in the shipper, uh, sorry, the, um, the carrier handing in the proof of delivery, which is something today is quite annoying. It's, it's typically still a piece of paper, um, that the recipient has to sign. And then like either, either you send it via post, which is a horrible process, or you basically um, scan it, you take a picture, send it to us, it doesn't really matter. I mean, we even have like a mobile app that you can use, uh, which then completes the transaction. And then you send out the invoice and the whole transaction is done. But all of this is at the end of the day, handling data and handling data super efficiently. And this is quite frankly, I think where we really, because we could set it up from scratch, where we really leapfrog the industry because if, and we've been there quite often at traditional freight forwarders. Uh, and again, I'm not blaming anyone, but uh, looking at how processes grew over the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years or so, there's a lot of manual data entry, uh, sometimes printing stuff, typing it in into a different system. Uh, and this honestly, this can be done differently. Yeah, we are also doing right now a, a bigger project with a traditional company to create a logistics platform. And what we have learned is, like you said, there, there are still a lot of documents attached to each shipment. Uh, we counted them and we see something like 15 to 20 documents attached to a single shipment. Um, we are more looking at marine uh, shipments, so container shipments, uh, but maybe it's a little bit similar also to, to road shipments. Uh, could you also imagine that we maybe in, in some years have uh, a system or a transportation system in place with no documents at all? I mean, documents don't necessarily have to be physical, right? Um, so, yeah, for sure. I mean, Again, physical documents, I think, uh, are not necessarily required. I mean, there's even a big, um, even big initiative by the, uh, the European, um, by the European government, um, to basically have across, and this is always difficult across all European countries, uh, a unified, a unified version of what we call proof of delivery. So pro um, the POD or CMR, uh, this is, I think a project over some, I don't know, five or 10 years. So yeah, at some point I can, I can envision us doing this all digitally. Uh, and to me, like, yes, it's, it's, it's okay to take 
pictures of physical documents and then uh, and then basically send it sent it to like a central data lake. Uh, but it's not yet it's not yet perfect, right? At the end of the day, what you need is the data that sits in the document. Um, and I think you can be smart about this. Like what we basically tried doing is that if you if you have the CMR or POD, if you have this on a smartphone, not as a scan, but as um, like similar to I don't know if you receive a parcel from DHL or so or Amazon, like these days they show up with uh, with a handheld or a smartphone, whatever, and you uh, and you sign on glass, right? So this is, I think, as close as you can get right now uh, to fully digitizing this process. We are also able to do this with our app. However, distributing an app in our space is just super difficult. Um, I mean, this is not Uber, right? Where you are a taxi driver um, or, or like a private taxi driver, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then you have like two or three of those platforms. No, over here, you have like so many different freight forwarders that you're working with. Uh, and you're not going to have 50 apps installed on your smartphone. This is, this is a very difficult process to get there. Um, yeah, but this is not yet a fully solved problem. How to really digitize the whole thing there? Yeah, so, so a lot of great insights. Um, and thank you for sharing this. Um, as promised in the intro, we also wanted to have a, let's say, a long term outlook into the future of logistics. Uh, so, and we see, that everybody is talking about autonomous driving and um, we see Tesla, et cetera. And, and, and we saw some announcements regarding that there are already some trucks driving autonomously over the streets. Um, so how do you see this trend, uh, how this will impact transportations, our supply chain, and also how will this impact you as, as, as a platform? Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a very good question. Um, I mean, there are, Right now, um, like without diving too much into detail, but at different um, different levels uh, of autonomous driving, and in this case, autonomous trucking, um, and there are different startups and different OEMs basically working on this. To my knowledge, uh, right now we are some like level three uh, or so. Level four uh, is also available every now and then already, uh, but not yet ready for the market. <laughs> but at some point, and this is my personal hypothesis, like where you will see autonomous trucking is basically um, between hubs that are located close to the, like in Germany, autobahn or highways. Um, and this is sort of almost like a train network, if you want. So basically trucks going back and forth, um, maybe overnight or so. But this is, um, this is certainly something that is, in terms of complexity, um, the easiest. Uh, and then you're going to have, like from those hubs, which are next to, next to the autobahn, you're going to then still have trucks being driven by, um, uh, by like actual people um, to, to the final destination. Um, but I mean, this is, this is something that InstaFred is not going to solve. But still the question is, um, the trucks are supposed to transport something. Um, so we are definitely, or can be going forward, definitely be one of the parties uh, filling those networks that, um, that, that we will see in like some 10 or, uh, like 10 or 20 years from now, basically being, being the connecting party, uh, telling the trucks basically where to go or like what type of cargo to, uh, to pick up where. So I, I, I could envision us being, uh, being part of this solution in like 10 or 20 years from now. Thanks, Philippe. Um, I think we can, uh, 
Uh, we, we've got a lot of info, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, take some notes to summarize uh, as we normally do the, the these conversations. So uh, I'm going to attempt this, and then you, you know, if I forget anything uh, major, please uh, tell me. Um, so first of all, you, you, you know, just to remind uh, the listeners that you are a digital logistics provider focusing on B2B uh, and you're matching transportation needs with transport capacity. So in, in a sense, you're replacing the freight forwarders. Um, with regard to the first topic that Matthias mentioned, sustainability, uh, you gave four interesting ways in the way in um, ways in which uh, the platform or a platform uh, could uh, uh, address, uh, for example, reducing uh, CO two emissions. Um, first, in the measurement. Uh, second, in the route optimization that the platform is enabling. The platform is also enabling, uh, can enable sourcing uh, of uh, transportation with lower emissions like LNG. And then uh, the uh, intermodal routing also uh, that uh, the platform can enable, which uh, you mentioned uh, would um, is actually uh, um, reducing by five the CO2 emissions, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. So that was for the sustainability. I think that's very interesting to see how a different business model, meaning a platform model, can address uh, those uh, different elements. Um, then we went on to talking about the positioning uh, and the offering, uh, more from a business side, I would say. And um, first of all, you talked about how you're addressing the day-to-day -day business needs of the carriers. Uh, so utilizing, helping them utilize their assets, getting paid properly, uh, getting good payment terms, etc., um, and and that also for the shippers, uh, even if for for the shippers uh, the the the, um, uh, the solution has to be uh, improved at, at a different uh, uh, level, and this is what you're going to announce. Uh, or you've just announced uh, recently. Uh, but this, basically, the message for me is you're really focusing on their business requirements, not on digi you know, di mm, uh, creating a digital tool. The digital tool is a means to an end. Yes. Um, and when we talked about marketplaces, uh, you said that, well, marketplaces in, in, in this industry exist uh, from a long time ago. And uh, really what your role is is not is not to be a marketplace as such, but to manage the complexity of the market. So there is an element of marketplace, but it goes way beyond this. And uh, you, you've uh, so the, the word you used uh, was uh, uh, a vertically integrated marketplace to become an active matchmaker. Yes, uh, which uh, was a, a, a nice way to put it. And then the third topic around data. Uh, it was interesting how you explain how. The data uh, can help you, on one hand, uh, provide a really good service uh, by, for example, uh, collecting data points and matching uh, the good carrier or the, the, the most suitable carrier with uh, the, the, the shipper's request, but also um, uh, 
improving the service because you are then uh, adding new data and matching with historical data to actually validate data points and validate then, which is the, the third point, the quality of the service. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, checking how, uh, uh, so semi-automatizing <laughs> the quality check um, with that data and also then having some uh, more human uh, quality check. And then the last point, uh, uh, very last point, which is more prospective, uh, was uh, your, your comments on uh, autonomous tracking, which, um, you know, uh, from what uh, it, today but it's going to come and more specifically you see it happening between hubs um like static hubs that are linked to each other with motorways uh, for example with motorways and it's a bit the functioning you compare this like uh, to uh, trains and of course this is not your core business this infrastructure but uh you'd be very well placed to be uh uh, helping fill those networks like you're doing now with uh, the non-autonomous uh, uh, networks. So I think, uh, uh, yeah, this is uh, what I've uh, uh, learned today. I would say, wow, wow this was a, a lot of learnings. <laughs> that, was, that was a really good summary. Thank you. <laughs> yes, maybe it's a long summary, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of, of interesting points. I think so, uh, I mean, there's not one, unfortunately, uh, it might be a longer sentence, uh, but first of all, um, building a platform is not just a tool, but it might completely change the business model of an incumbent. Uh, I think this is super important to understand. Uh, so you're like really revolutionizing, like how you do business. Um, and you should be very clear on what problem you're trying to solve with building a platform. Um, and also, I mean, there, there are not going to be 10 problems or so. I mean, it might be like one or two, but if you have too many, you're just going to do nothing at the end of the day, uh, at least for a start. And three, um, it's on like, how do you want to get traction on this platform? Right. I mean, like all what, what Amazon is at the end of the day about, like, how do you accelerate the flywheel that you get both supply and demand on your platform? Uh, this is depending on the platform, obviously, but this is typically something that is super, super challenging. Um, and like, you need to have a very clear idea of how, how that's going to play out. Okay. So three advices or three lessons. Very good. Thank you very much. And, um, I'm also looking forward or we looking forward maybe to uh, having another conversation in one or two years to see where, uh, how you could establish your, your new service and maybe to learn also new lessons from you. So it was a pleasure to talk to you and to learn and, uh, we wish you all the best, uh, with InstaFreight and yeah, thank you for coming to our show. Thank you, Matthias. Thank you, Nathalie. Thanks, Philippe.